0: You're listening to the Slavic Literature Pod, your shelf-help guide to all things Slavic. I'm Cameron Lolana.
1: And I'm Mac eres
0: And today we are covering Chapter 1, Part 5 of Vasily Grossman's Life and Fate. That's, oh, I got it remember. right the first time for once. Part uh, 1, uh, Chapter 5. <laughs> What <laughs> did I say part 5, chapter 1? Yeah. Damn it. All right, well, I flew a little too close to the sun, and I almost got it right for once. And uh, now we see my hubris. Anyway, so this part, <laughs> we're still continuing to cover the camp, in this case, moving from, you know, prisoner life, a longer piece into talking, about, into talking about the internationalism of the people here, even though many people do not speak the same language from the US, from England, from Russia, from many other places, uh, they still find ways to communicate. And then, interestingly, You've read it. There's a lacuna. There's an omission there, which, as Chandler notes, is from the original text that uh, they're, they're translating from. And then we have two last paragraphs which focus in on the Red Army soldiers specifically and their inability to come to common understanding or common conclusions. And, and that's kind of, for me at least, what makes this chapter so interesting because there's clearly an argument that was meant to be developed here, or maybe was and was removed. And now we're kind of left in the lurch with, with really truly getting at what Grossman. Is, is understanding here and um i don't know where do you want to start with this matt
1: well i like the the omission here mm. and one of our discord users rightfully pointed this out gabe was you know talking a little bit about it but he he also said that today's chapter feels like strict historical record especially with kind of how it ends because you get this you know again this pulling back from the narrator mm. as narrator is over or we're looking the 20th century as you could see much of the tragedy of the 20th century of how we don't really kind of understand each other and i think that this is actually a really good point and this is probably not how it was intended to be constructed but how i interpret it in the sense that just both within the 20th century and within this chapter as a whole we don't really get the sense of completeness because of the fact that we know something was omitted and it wasn't just omitted and glossed over. It was, you know, printed as, you know, these, these dots with the footnote that there, there was a passage missing and we don't ever get to know what that would have been or could have been or should have been. And so this kind of, um, it's it's almost like an absence that is present with you as you read. And to me, that is what, this sort of era of the, the 20th century, that's what it feels like. And that is, in, in a way, also kind of the tragedy of the 20th century, if I may stray on the pretentious side for a <laughs> moment.
0: Please, please do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, only Alfie, my dog, is here with me right now, so I, so I will. <laughs> he doesn't mind when I, when I go on pretentious tangents.
0: I would imagine he even encourages it. I think he just likes your company.
1: Yeah, Yeah. yeah he's very studious, actually. <laughs> But so anyways dominant. this is great that people are noticing this and you know not only noticing that it's a thing in the book but also that it does play a role in how we perceive the thing that we're reading
0: right yeah for sure and it almost kind of like you say it almost becomes art the omission itself becomes art in in its own way as you say that it creates a whole new meaning which is clearly not intended but you know not sure. only that but also in the ways that we have this kind of black box between this internationalism and then suddenly, you know, washing machine noise, and then all these people with all these common bonds, a common language, common understanding who cannot, uh, you know, who can't come to any common understanding. And um, yeah, and, and what is exactly what is the worst been arguing? I can't say for sure, uh, but we certainly can read a lot into it. I'm sure when you read that line, if you're reading along with us, you certainly had a reaction, you had a gut reaction and maybe went with it, maybe you started second-guessing yourself, but certainly I would bet that you had a gut reaction. Um, some, 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 something was evoked for you when you read that line, I would imagine.
1: Well, I'd hope so. Um, <laughs> it was a great line, but also I think in this chapter we kind of get the, uh, more of the linguistic mm. side of some of the camps and just what it would have been like to be alive at this time, just kind of compressed together with so many different people. From different countries, speaking so many different languages, and it's just interesting the words that Grossman notes that they understand in each other's languages. And you have the very low, common, everyday bread, cigarettes, things like that. And then you also have the sort of the camp lingo, the, the sort of uh, horror of it, deriving from the fact that these are on an equal level to cigarettes and bread. Things like roll call, extermination camp, flight point, camp guards. The fact that these are just as necessary to know as bread and cigarettes is, of course, where the sort of horror of it derives from. Um, But it's interesting, nonetheless, to sort of see him bring these kind of together, because I think with it being translated in English and whatnot, you don't sort of... It's just kind of hard to uh i guess get the sense of it when you don't see the different languages always together when they're you know translated for the most part here
0: yeah definitely and also going along with that note of talking about this kind of horror of the of the ways that they learn to communicate there's also as a as a reader noted um or as a listener i should say tom bombadillo on discord noted there's also the sort of a beauty in being able to do that um tom writes i really loved grossman's depiction of communication without language uh I.e., the old sergeant had a fine command of every language except foreign ones. I've always found something beautiful and not necessarily understanding words, uh, and not necessarily understanding exactly what someone is saying, but the emotions behind those words, um, which yeah, definitely a motivating force throughout this chapter um, in terms of these people understanding each other and you know, like the I think it's an English pilot. Sorry, I don't have the text in front of me. Who you know gets really interested in the in the Red Army and the Red Army it chaps so. Very up until that up until that omission, you know, not a feel good chapter. Nothing in the camp is a feel good chapter, but certainly like kind of a I guess an emotional high point in seeing the ways that they maintain still these bonds.
1: Yeah, I don't think we get anything that's even remotely feel good for another like two weeks until we go back to the the kind of domestic side.
0: Sure, sure, and that's only setting you up for us all up for a deeper fall. So
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. You think, oh, great, we finally get a breath of fresh air. And then Grossman just slaps you with a cold fish, and he says, "No, no breath, of, no breath of air, no air for you." Back to the reading.
0: <laughs> you think people in the war got a breath of fresh air? No, no. That's what I'm trying to evoke for you.
1: <laughs> and boy, does he. <laughs> right.
0: Okay, well, I think that's unless there's anything else you wanted to cover, everything we had for today. So, in that case, uh, we will see you all again tomorrow. Hey, 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 hey.